I know it's cool, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it just really, really is. I'm so excited and, and pumped about this series as we kind of journey through a couple of like this summer's biggest big movies and stuff, and, and we actually find some biblical truth um, in, in all of them. And I, I don't know too. I've always been kind of a superhero fan and everything. And, and listen, um, like I'm, I'm not saying you have to go and watch the movie and everything. I I, I love that movie. I love Captain America. And it is just sheer coincidence that it's also July 4th weekend, and it's Captain America, which I wanted to take full credit for, but honestly, I didn't even think about that. But God's just really cool like that and, and all stuff. But I'm excited that we're going to do this series, and as we go the next couple weeks through these and we see this, um, I, I love movies. Um, I always have. And, and I, I don't know, I actually took a class um, from Fuller Seminary called The Theology of Movies. And stuff, and every movie has some kind of. I mean, there's all the same story. I, I don't know if you know this, that every movie has the same story. There, there's a, there's a, like something great begins, and then there's something bad that happens, and then a hero stands up, and 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 people are saved, and lives are changed, and, and then things go on from there. And I don't know if you know this, but pretty much every movie we got is based on the story of the gospel. I, I really, it's just an underlying story, and so I'm excited to see how we kind of travel through this. And, and do this over the next couple of weeks. And tonight, as you saw, we're doing Captain America, and, and we're talking about civil war. Because I really believe there there is a war um, within us and without us and everything. And, and so I think there's a war and there's a battle going on. And, and tonight, I, I want to talk about it. Tonight, I, I want us to kind of dive dive into that. Because the honest truth is, if, if you are a follower of Christ tonight, um, you are... You cannot sit on the sideline and watch things go by. You, you can't. A few weeks ago in another series, we talked about this, that Jesus said either you're for me or you're against me. And so we are all kind of engaged in kind of a battle that, that, that's going on, not only within ourselves, but also outside. And I'm not talking about culture wars. I'm not talking about us, like um, all the politicizing and everything that's going on in our, in our country and in our culture right now. But I am talking that there is a war that's going on, and you and I have to stand. And we have to make a choice. See, because I think that Jesus came for us to make a difference. I think Jesus, when he comes into our life, that it's not just so that we're happy little churchgoers, but he, he, he comes to us to change us so that we make a difference. And, and that should be our heart cry. That, that should be the thing that, that drives us, kind of like even what Tim was saying. I mean, do, do you know, like I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. It, it, it's a battle cry. It, it's a launch. It's a, a great, great missionary, a um, guy named C.T. Studd. I love his name because he was a stud. Um, he says this. He says, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Like, I, I, I want to go where it's messy. I want to go where, where it's hard. I want to go where the battle is being waged, and that, that's where I want to be. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, and that's what I want to challenge us with. As we are going into summer, we, we have our vacation Bible camp coming. You know, we are still striving to reach people in this community and get the word out that we're here and, and serve them and stuff. But my wife, we, when we came here, we said, God, we want to be where, where the battle rages. And, and, I, and I believe right now that's where we are, right here in the middle of four corners, and, and, and I'm excited and terrified at the same time. And, and if you have any idea what you got involved in when you came, started coming to this church, then you would be too. But that, that, that should be our heart. And so tonight, this is what I want to talk about. I, I want us to gird up for battle. I just had a week with fifth and sixth graders and just challenged said that you can go change the world. 
And I believe the same for this church and the same for you. And so that's what we want to hear and that's what we want to do tonight. So let's pray and then we are just going to dive into this. Father God, I thank you so much again for just bringing us together. God, I thank you that, um, God, there is a battle and, and it's raging. But Jesus, you already won. God, may we live like that. So tonight, I just ask that you would just embolden us, God, that you would just speak into our hearts, God. And God, if there are things that need to change, if there are things that need to be confessed, if there are things that we need to let go, God, if we just need to just stop and just follow you, God, I pray that would be the message. That's what we would just experience tonight, God. We want your presence. God, we, we want to know what you have to say, God. What I have to say means absolutely nothing. So God, your words tonight. God, just hide me and just have your way. God, we love you. We know you have a great plan. God, just reveal it again, once again to us tonight. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to be sitting in Ephesians 6, a little jumping around, but mostly in Ephesians 6. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one. If you don't own one, you can keep it. You can take it, whatever you want. But we're going to be sitting in Ephesians 6. But before we start talking about this whole battle that's going on kind of around us, and that's usually where the focus is. It's always about like, hey, we got to stand up for this, stand up for that. I, I think we have to address another issue that to, before we can battle outside, we need to understand that inside of us there's a war within. That there is a battle going on within us. That there's a struggle and stuff. We are broken people. I mean, that the common ground that all of us have, no matter what background we come from, no matter who we are or where we're at or what we do, is that we all are in need of a Savior. We are all broken. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And once we come to know that, that there's a, there's a battle that wages us. There's, there's the idea that once I meet Jesus, that I come and know him, that in God's eyes I'm perfect. And, and everything's everything in God's view, like it, it's done, it's finished. Jesus said that on the cross, it's done. Nothing has to be paid for anymore. And so that that's the reality in God's eyes. But also, there's a battle and struggle within us as we are growing to know more about him and coming. And so one day, what God sees in us will be the reality of who we are. But the truth is, is tonight, some of us, if you're like me, there are things that you struggle with. And there are things that you do. And so we have to understand, in Romans 7, Paul talks about this. Verse 19, he says, for I, do, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. And in verse 23, he says, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says, listen, there is a battle in me between my flesh and my fallen nature and the one that Christ has redeemed. And, and it is always going on. And so there's always kind of this war. And have you ever felt like that? Have you ever sat there and says, man, I know what I should do, and I didn't do it. Or, man, I meant to do good, but I did bad. <laughs> you know? and, and it's just constantly, and it's annoying, and it's frustrating. And thank goodness for grace. Praise God for grace, that God just continues to redeem our choices and our mistakes and, and our good stuff. He redeems it all. But there's always this sense that, man, I... For the, I do not do the good that I want to do. I, I know I should do this. Man, I had this thought, or I did this, and all that. It, it's an issue. And, and I think for us to come to grips with what we need to do out in our community and what we need to do in this world for Christ and for God's kingdom is we have to surrender. 
This is an oxymoron, but we have to surrender to win. Tonight, it, it, it starts there. It, it comes with the knowledge and the idea that, you know what? I can't do this. I was, I was I sat with fifth and sixth graders this week and got to like just talk to them and love on them. And I kept saying, listen, God made you perfect. And their number one question all week was, then, then how can we be perfect? Because I can't be perfect. And the answer is, like, you can't by yourself. But through Christ, you can do it all. In fact, Matthew, Matthew 16, you've probably heard these verses before. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is one of my favorite little passages because right before this, Peter is like the awesome guy. And he's like, who do you say I am? And Peter's like, man, you're, you're, you're the Messiah. You, you, are, you are God in flesh. You are, you are awesome. You, you are the one. And, and Jesus makes that powerful statement. He says, Peter, upon that statement, upon that confession, I will build my church. Not upon Peter, as some people think, like it's Peter. But no, it's on that confession that Jesus was who he said he was and did what he said and did. He did what he was supposed to do. On that confession. And then right after that, Jesus starts telling him, says, listen, I'm going to have to go die and, you know, for the sins of people. And Peter's like, no, never, never. And from being like, you're the number one disciple, Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you're now the devil. And he gets in this whole kind of discussion with them. And it all boils down, verse 24, he says, Jesus says to his disciples, listen, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life because of me will find it. The, the idea is that every day, every day we have to stand up and say, Jesus, I take up my cross. And for us culturally right now, that's like, well, it's like a little token and everything. But back then, I mean, it would be basically us saying today, like, you need to take up your electric chair, the instrument of death, and let yourself die to self and, and follow me. You, you need to let go of, of, of your, your perceptions. You need to let go of your wants and, and your stuff, all that stuff, and you need to come follow me. Because it's going to take sacrifice. You need to say surrender. You need to surrender yourself and let me have full control. Every day we have to wake up and say, Jesus, I take my cross. I choose your way, not my way. And it is this idea of surrender. It's the idea that, like, God, you have a better plan. And you have a better path for me. And I'm going to follow that, not mine. And I think it's something we need to do on a daily basis. Because he says that take up your cross daily. Anyone wants to come, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I mean, I, I think it's, it just becomes this idea that, listen, Jesus, you know me. And so I'm going to trust you. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when I'm unsure of it. E even when I can't see clearly, I'm going to trust you because your, your word says that you are always with me that you have the best plan for me, that you're always for my good, and that you, you do know what's best. You're sovereign. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you, but that means I have to lose myself. And the really amazing thing is when we lose ourself in Jesus, we actually become who we're supposed to be. We become the most unique person on this planet when you follow the creator that made you. 
it, it, it amazes me uh, all the years of youth ministry and all the years of ministry just seeing people and like especially with kids like they come up and they'd have like a nose ring and chains and like tattoos and like all this stuff I'm like I'm like wh- why what okay tell me the story why why are you choosing to like dress and, and look like that right now it's like because I want to express my uniqueness I'm like then why are there like 30 of you all looking the same <laughs> See, we are never truly unique. We are never truly that unique, perfect, beautiful thing that God created us until we're in a relationship with him. And we are never fully in a relationship with him until we fully surrender and say, God, your way, not mine. See, we, we, will, we, we, we will do no good out in the world if we're trying to do it on our own. I mean, we, we will make no difference. We, we may do some good. We may help a little bit. And we may do stuff, but of, of eternal value, of lasting value, that doesn't happen unless we say, Jesus, your way. I, I surrender. I give up. And that's a battle that's within. And I know that that's a struggle because it's a struggle for me. Listen, I, I'm a prideful person. You know, I, I loved that 170, like, fifth and sixth graders thought I was the coolest thing in the world. I looked at Sherry the end of the week and says, do we have to leave? They all like me. <laughs> they all come up to me and say, like, you're the coolest thing ever. I'm like, I want to stay. Can we just live here and stuff? And Sherry's like, stop it. I'm like, yeah, okay. But it's true. I, 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 I like that stuff. And there's, there are areas in your life that you're going to struggle with. And, and there are areas that you're going to wrestle with, and that's part of that old nature. And that's why I'm reminded of grace so much in my life, because I see how fallen I still am. And I know that God's just working and working and working, but I have to choose daily. I'm going to take my cross, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. It may not be comfortable. I may not like it. I may not like where I'm going, but I'm, I'm just going to follow you because I trust you. That's surrender. And if we really surrender, man, we, we win. We win when we surrender. And so once we've done that, and, and once we've kind of experienced that, then we can start getting the idea like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm geared up. I'm ready for battle. I'm in the right mindset for battle. I'm in the right mindset of like, okay, let's go. And now we get to jump into Ephesians 6. Now we get to get suited up. And, and, and I love to See, I, I spent seven years in the Army. And so and I always tell people, people are like, well, what kind of job do you want? What kind of job are you going to do? I said, well, I know how to do two things. I know how to blow stuff up, and I know how to preach. There's not a huge job market for either one of those. <laughs> well, that's why I love Ephesians 6, because when I get into <laughs> stuff like Ephesians 6, where it says, like, put on the full armor of God, soldier up, get ready for battle, I'm sitting there going, this is my wheelhouse. This is stuff because I get to start blowing stuff up and start doing so. This is really, really cool. I'm excited about this and everything. And that's what Ephesians 6 is. It's this idea that, listen, we have to armor up and we got to get ready because there is a war going on. There is a war going on. And can I tell you this? Listen, we are not going to change the culture. We're not going to change the world um, through, through politics, through, through government self-help or any self-help programs. Listen. it's not through voting that we're going to change the world. And I'm telling you, every person in this room, you need to, if you're of voting age, you vote your heart because God requires you, you know, you support and do what you're supposed to. This is a great country, and it is because people vote. It makes me sick that so many people don't vote when so many people died for that right. 
And, and I'm not going to tell you ever who to vote for or any of that stuff, but I'm going to tell you, like, you, you vote your conscience and you vote what you think is scripture, right? But you get out there and you vote. You, you be a part of that and you be a part of the solution. But we're not going to change the culture through our votes. We're going to change the culture through the gospel. Listen, you, you want this country to change? You start telling, I, here's how you start. You tell your neighbor about Jesus. And they tell their neighbor, and they tell their neighbor, and then all of a sudden, God just starts moving in everybody's life, and that will, that's what's going to change everything. And so just understand that, that we, we're, all this cultural war, it, it's ridiculous. It, it, it really is. We live in a fallen world. They're going to act fallen, and so expect it. So start praying for them. Start living. And that, that's what I really want to talk about tonight. It's like this is how we engage in this battle, and we, we can win. The war's already been won, by the way. But here's how we win it on a daily basis. So Ephesians chapter 6, um, verses 10 through 18. Paul writing again, he, he's, he's talking to him. He's like, listen, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. I love this. Paul maps out this, this strategy of how we win on a daily basis. And the very first thing I want us to realize is we need to recognize the, who the enemy is. We, we need to recognize who exactly the enemy of us is and it's not the person down the street and it's not the person of a different belief it's not the person of a different system or political or any of that other stuff we need to recognize who the enemy is and that enemy he says very again in verse 10 he's saying finally be strength verse 12 for our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against authorities against the world powers of this darkness spiritual forces of evil in the heavens understand that your neighbor that's ticking you off is not your enemy that person you're trying to share the gospel with that is just against you is not your enemy. Fallen people act fallen. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. People locked in sin and lost are going to act sinful and lost. And it's so surprising to me that we're so surprised by that. And as time goes on, listen, it's going to get worse. People are going to walk farther and farther away from God that they can. And it's a, I, I love that clip because it, it's talking about like people are starting to be afraid of you. I, I think people are starting to be afraid of the church and Christians. I think people are being afraid of people that actually stand up and say, this is who Jesus really is and what he said, and this is truth, and we're going to stand on that. And so understand that when we get backlash out of that, we're supposed to. Jesus even said, listen, in this world you'll have trouble. It's a promise. <laughs> You're going to have trouble. 
But the rest of that verse says, but praise be to God, I have overcome the world. So, so understand first that we need to recognize the enemy. And it's not your neighbor, and it's not the person across the street. There are people in this world that hate us and want to see the destruction of that. And, but those people are driven because they're fallen and they're lost. Listen, I, I, spent, I spent seven months in Iraqi in the Saudi Arabia desert during Desert Shield, Desert Storm. My daughter was three months old when I left. I was angry for years after. Anybody from the Middle East, I'm like, this is you. I lost so much of my life with my daughter and my family and had to see horrible things because you guys are idiots. And I had to go to war because you guys are idiots. And I, I was angry, and I was angry, and I was always mad. I remember um, we lived in Colorado Springs, and a buddy of mine says, hey, let's go to Promise Keepers. And so we went to the Denver Stadium, Mile High Stadium, thousands and thousands of guys all there, just a testosterone fest. I mean, it's just huge, all men. And so it was great, oh, uh, just all grunting and, and bodily noises. That's a <laughs> and it was awesome, and I was up there, and I remember one guy gets up to speak, and he was, a, he was a former Muslim, and he talked about, like, this is my world. I've known Jesus, and this is they don't know any better, and I want to go back. And my heart just broke, and God just says, they're not your enemy. Sin's the enemy. And they act that way because they don't know. And so right then and there, God's like, just start praying for them. Starts doing, and that's what I want us to know, man. If, if, if you have a problem with somebody, pray for them. If someone's cruel to you, mean to you, and just disrespects you, pray for them. And know that you're in great company because they treated Jesus worse. But recognize the enemy. Recognize who it is. The, the next thing is, you know what? Prepare. Get ready for battle. Be, be ready and know like, hey, there's going to be a battle. Every single day, some type of battle is going to come. Some, something's going to happen. It's going to test your faith or it's going to test your resolve to continue this. And he says, stay with the battle. You know, verse 13, and he goes through this list. And I, and I love this list. And Paul, he's emphasizing this again. Verse 13, this is why you must take up the full armor of God. So that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, I love, again, he says in verse 14, stand. So many times we, we, we kind of wilt. So many times we, we don't want to be offensive. And don't ever be offensive on purpose. But, you know, Jesus was offensive. For anybody to stand up and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's kind of an offensive statement. But we stand on that. And so, so I, I talk to my Muslim friends and my Buddhist friends and my Hindu friends and everything. And we have, we have conversations. I'm like, Jesus is still the way. He's the only way. When the Jehovah Witnesses come to my door, which is always funny because it's always one. And then a week later, it's like three of them. And then they bring the pastor and then they never come back for like months. And they like forget and we move so we can. We actually, I think God has moved us to seven different houses so we can keep having fun with the Jehovah Witnesses. Because they will come up and it's usually one person. And they're like, well, you know, we believe in Jesus. I said, yeah, but I don't think we believe in the same Jesus. See, I believe Jesus is God in flesh. And like, no, no, he, he's, he's not. I said, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And here and I start reading the 
scripture to them. They're like, oh, okay, can we come back? I'm like, yeah, anytime. <laughs> and there's like three of them the next week, and, and we sit down again. And I'm like, this is where, and they're like, well, you know, that really verse, I says, yeah, it says he's the son of man. They're like, see, he's the son of man. I said, no, 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 see, you're reading as a Gentile. That's a messianic term from the Old Testament. Son of man means that he was God in flesh, the Messiah. Well, can we come back? I'm like, yeah, anytime. <laughs> and then the pastor comes with them. And he's like, well, you don't know. I'm like, listen, I'm just this. And I finally, I just look at him and said, listen, there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to change my mind about my Jesus. And I would love to have these discussions. You're welcome. Come and sit down and I will pull out my Bible and I will share the Jesus I know. And so because it is all hope and it's everything and I, and I love him. And you're not going to change my mind. And at that moment, they're just like, okay, well, have a nice day. They don't ask to come back after that. You've you got to be ready to stand. Don't wilt. This is why it's so important for us to know what we believe. Don't just show up in church and listen to some preacher. He can say anything, and some of them are. I do, but this is check me. Check me, because I'm telling you, if you come to me and says what you said is not scripture and you can show me that, then I no longer am allowed to be a pastor. Not at all. So, so. Find out what you believe, but stand. And he, I love it. it. says, stand, therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist. And I love that idea because Jesus said, I am the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. That his word, that Jesus himself is the thing that all other truth rests upon. All other truth is measured on. And it is the thing that holds up our pants as Christians. Nothing more embarrassing than walking around in your pants falling down. And believe me, that has happened to me. I forgot my belt one day. I was running, and they started falling. I was like, oh, <laughs> you just feel helpless without a belt. So, so gird yourself, another version says, with truth. Tighten it down. Stitch it down. Know the truth. And walk out every day with the truth that Jesus is who he said he was. And then righteousness, like armor on your chest. And I love this because it's not our righteousness because the Bible says that he became sin that knew no sin, that we would become the righteousness of God, which basically means that Jesus took all of our sin and laid upon him. And at that moment when we accept him, all of his righteousness, all his rightness, everything that is perfect and holy of him, God takes that and puts that on us. It's not a righteousness you earn. It's not a righteousness you do. It is a righteousness you are given by God and it shines like a breastplate. And it is impenetrable because it guards the most important thing. It is your heart. It is, it is fascinating to me that all through Proverbs, all through the Old Testament, all through the Bible, over and over again, the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard what goes in there. And the truth is, if you cover yourself with Jesus and don't, and don't fill your heart with the junk that is out there today, listen, I mean, I, I live in a house full of girls, and I have to watch The Bachelorette, but it's garbage, okay? I'm just telling you. <laughs> For those of you who love The Bachelorette, I'm sorry. It is, but there's so much junk out there. So just fill yourself with those things of Jesus and guard your heart, and it's impenetrable. He, he goes on. He goes on. Um, righteousness like armoring chest, verse 15. And your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace i love this because it's such a beautiful picture when paul wrote this roman soldiers if you were poor and you couldn't afford shoes you were barefoot i mean only those if you earned you had to earn money and stuff like that and stuff and salt was kind of the money and stuff so you could buy your own armor to protect yourself 
going into battle. It's, it's not like today we just go through a line, they give you everything you need. You had to earn it. And so back then, if you were in a battle, they would all line up and they'd put those soldiers and you would just try to keep marching forward. Well, so the best way to do is slow them down is the enemy would put spikes in the ground. And so if you didn't have shoes, man, you just like, ah, right, right through the foot and everything. You couldn't move. And so it, just, it would stop whole armies. And so the Romans kind of knew this. And so, you know, one of the things they tried to get, everyone tried to get, was they had like copper shoes on the bottom. So it was like shielded on the bottom. And the thing is, is they could just, they could walk right over those spikes. So one of the reasons the Roman army was so amazing because they were really advanced in the way they defended and protected themselves. And they could just stay in battle forever and just keep going. And so you could just march along. And so I'm just, I'm telling you, if you have the gospel and you know the gospel that God, that Jesus Loved us so much he created us and then became one of us and then died for us and then rose again. And you have that truth and you put that on your feet. There is no place that you can't walk in this world where the gospel can't get you in. Isn't that amazing? There is no place on this planet where you can't go because the gospel will take you there. And I know there are places like there are closed countries and stuff. I'm telling you, in the Middle East, literally thousands of people are coming to know Jesus right now. It's amazing. A lot of refugees, they're coming out, and they're finding out, they're praying to Allah, and they're praying to all this stuff, and they're like, please, God, help us. And you know who's showing up is Christians are saying, we're doing this because we love you, and we know Jesus loves you. And there are literally thousands of Muslims and people in the Middle East coming to know Jesus because the gospel can't be stopped. And if you're barefoot, you're going to be stopped dead in your tracks every time. But, man, you shod your feet with the gospel, the gospel of peace. There is no place that you can't go on this planet where you can't bring good. And so, so get, get the gospel on. Get the gospel on. And it says in verse 16, In every situation, take the shield of faith. And with it, you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I love this, too, because it's such a great picture. Because they would have, you know, we all seen like the gladiatorial games. They have those little shields. That's not what Paul's talking about. They used to have these giant shields. And the guys in front, they would have shields. They would march forward. Boom. Plant them, and everybody would be like, I'm standing right behind this guy. Because the arrows would come, and they would just bounce off these shields. And then they would walk them forward. It was just these huge shield bearers, and they would just walk forward, and they would just continue to march forward. Huge shields. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, you can move mountains. The smallest amount of faith that you can muster will be a shield that will move you forward. That the enemy of God and everyone who follows him can't even get, can't do anything about. And it is our faith. And we already are a people of faith. You practice faith every day. Every one of you came in here and sat in those chairs. Not one of you like tested the chair before you sat down. You just kind of flopped in it because you believe it's going to hold me. Okay. If you can walk into this church and trust these old plastic chairs why can't you walk out into this world and trust a God that's bigger, that made all the elements that go in that chair? That's faith, and so we have that faith, and we keep marching forward. And I love it. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. I always get the picture when I hear about this helmet of salvation thing, too. Is that I, I don't know. Back in, back in the day, ladies came to church, and they had hats. Anybody remember the hats in church? And like some of, I mean, some of, like, I think one lady had, like, a peacock in her hat one time. It was huge thing. So, like, she had to walk like this because it, it was such a big hat. But, like, the hat was the glory of the woman. <laughs> I mean, it was a big, beautiful, and everybody knew, like, oh, she must be going to church. 
She got a church hat on. <laughs> and, so, and it was obvious that you're going. And it's this idea, man, why don't we wear our salvation like that? Because everybody's walking around should be able to look at us and say, that person knows Jesus. Look how it shows. It's like a big old peacock on top of their head. Look how it shows. Look how that person shows. And so we put on the helmet of salvation. Even then, back in that time, the Romans told you could tell who was in charge. Because the generals, I mean, this was kind of crazy because as long as there was no snipers back then, that's really good. But the generals had, like, helmets with big red, I mean, the bigger the red stuff and the frow and all the pretty stuff on top of it, they're like, that's the guy in charge. <laughs> Where is salvation? You didn't earn it. It is a gift. Remember when you were a kid and you woke up on Christmas and you got that thing you always wanted? Didn't you? I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> You probably got coal. <laughs> but remember, you got that you got that something. What did you you ran around like I was a kid, I ran around when I got rock'em sock'em robots, I ran through my entire neighborhood. Look at this! This is awesome. I mean it was just a little plastic toy and it broke in like two days, but it was awesome. Man, why don't we do that for our salvation? Man, look what Jesus has done for me. And then finally the sword of the spirit, God's word. Everything you need to know of how to live for God, how to know God. How to be who he wants you to be is in here. The Bible defines itself as sharper than a two-edged sword. It is, it is amazing, God's word. And so you take this. I love it. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted scripture back to Satan, which is so cool. The God that inspired the word spoke him back to Satan. When Satan's like, well, you need to do this. I'm like, well, Man shall not live by bread alone. It's in Deuteronomy. Thou shalt not worship any other God. And he just quoted scripture back to him. So if God's word is good enough for God, man, we need to use it too. Because it, 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 will, it will silence every. I, I've heard people over and over again say, well, you can't trust the Bible. You can't trust the Bible. And I'll just start reading verses. What about this? What about that? And they have no answer. Every skeptic I ever met still can't answer Jesus hanging on a cross and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, it is beautiful. And so, and so we, we take this and we prepare for battle. And, and I'm telling you, every day you wake up in the morning and you armor up. You, you armor up. And it's really interesting. I, I told the kids this this past week. And it's fascinating to me that every piece of armor that, that Paul mentions here is all a forward-moving armor. There is nothing, nothing guarding your backside. The breastplate, the shield, the sword, everything is going forward. And so I'm here to tell you tonight, the moment that you turn your back on God is the moment that the, the, the enemy can just sit there and go like, bullseye, bullseye. Because there's nothing protecting you. And what we're seeing right now is so many people that say, like, well, I grew up in church. I grew up, and they've walked away from God. They've never known him. And their lives are wrecks, and, and they're, just, they're just running out of the church because they've never known him. Because they're like, I don't know why I'm getting beat up. And why is this? Why is my life like that? And all this stuff is because they don't know God. See, the church isn't getting smaller. The church is just getting more realistic. See, I think God is raising up his people and saying, no, no more. Like, the people that follow me, you're going to be able to tell. They're going to be the ones armored up, and they're going to be ones moving forward. 
Because God's kingdom is always moving forward. It has always moved forward. And the coolest thing is that God is not some general in the back going, all right, you guys, go get them. <laughs> God is leading the charge. I just, I, I picture Jesus as just saying, let's go. <laughs> Follow me. But you, you got to prepare. You, you got to do that. And, th and then finally, you got to remember the source. For verse 18, I love this. It says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. The, the truth is, is that none, you and I aren't going to make any difference in this world. But Jesus will make all the difference through you if you let him. And so it will always be that Jesus gets all the credit. He's the only one that deserves it. And so every day we wake up and say, God, I can't, I, I can't do this today. Man, I can't, I can't share you. I can't love people. I can't do any of the things you're asking me without you being in me. John 15, great passage. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will and it'll be done for you. It's that whole passage about I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, abide in me. And the actual Greek there, it means like live in him. Like, just place yourself inside and say, Jesus, I can't do this without you are everything. You are my source of life. You're my source of everything. And so as long as I remember that it's you doing this, nothing's impossible. Isn't that, that, isn't that great verse? We all love that verse in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's always through Christ. And so we remember the source. And we remember that no matter what happens on this planet, no matter what's going on anywhere in the world, that our God is still on his throne. That he is sovereign. He is in control. And my Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that it says, and then God works all things to the good of those who love him and call it according to purpose. He doesn't say everything's going to be good. He says, but all of it will come together to the good. That there's a day coming when God will come and he will restore everything and he will redeem everything. And it will be set perfect once again. And the way we are seen in God's eyes right now will be a reality in who we are. That we will be perfect. And this world will be perfect. But we have to keep battling. We keep marching on. We keep marching on because there's a world that so desperately needs it. We carry hope. It is the most powerful weapon in our, in all of our to hope, because Jesus is our hope, and we carry that. I've seen hope change entire cities. We carry that hope, and we keep moving forward, and we have to because there's a war, and, and the good news is, is he, yeah, it's already won. It's already won. When Jesus said it is finished, paid in full on that cross, it was done, defeated. Enemy's done. Sin's done. Death is done. All that stuff, as we come to know him, it's done. We've already won, so why don't we act like it? Why don't we keep marching forward? Because we know in the end, this is it. The hard work was done. The hard work was done on the cross when Jesus died. We get to join him in what he's doing and follow him and go into dark places, hard places, knowing that we've already won. I love this. Rick Joyner, he's an author and pastor. He writes this. He says, there will be no retreat in those who walk in the true light. 
When you open your shades at night, darkness does not come in and flood the room. Rather, the light shines out into the darkness because light is stronger than darkness. The darker it becomes, the brighter our light will be. Where sin abounds, grace will that much more abound. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Wherever you go, light carries, and darkness can never, ever overcome light. And so, yes, we're in a war within and without. But through Jesus, we've already won. They just don't know it yet. But they're waiting for you to show up in their homes, in their schools, in their neighborhoods, in their businesses to bring light and hope and let Jesus lead the way. So tonight we're going to